I'm excited to get in the Word this morning to continue our series, and you can see I'm teaching on Jurassic Offense, and I love this whole movie series. It's not a trilogy. It's like a seven million movie series now, the original Jurassic Parks, and you remember when Jurassic World then came out, and that first scene where they played that theme music, and it's just like you just wanted to explode with excitement because you've been waiting to hear that epic theme song. At least I was. I love this series. And uh, so when I was coming to preach this morning, um, I started watching this movie, and I said, God, give me a message, you know what I mean, as I'm watching this movie, and he did. And, you know, these kind of movies with a message, the, this God in Hollywood series is really like modern-day parables. You know, when Jesus would tell stories in the New Testament to give a, a real-life meaning, he would talk about the farmer, or he would talk about, you know, uh, different, different scenarios, landowners, and, you know, servants. He would kind of give these stories to help illustrate a purpose, illustrate a meaning, and so that's what these movies are. That's what this whole series is, is a modern-day parable, and I'm using the movie Jurassic World, the first one, as today's parable, and of course, I'm calling it Jurassic Offense, Jurassic Offense, and we're going to talk about offense, being offended, overcoming offense, breaking through offense, and so to get us off, we're going to watch this clip. It's so long, I wish you had popcorn right now because you're going to get that much into it, and then I'm going to stop it right as you wish it would continue. It's, it's going to be horrible. It's going to be rude. But uh, buckle up and get ready. As, as we get into this, we're seeing where this new dinosaur that has been created, the Indominus Rex, or Indominus Offense, however you want to call it for today's purposes, but where the Indominus Rex is being, has been created, and now they've discovered something has gone horribly wrong. So let's check the, this clip. We've been pre-booking tickets for months. The park needs a new attraction every few years in order to reinvigorate the public's interest, kind of like the space program. Corporate felt genetic modification would up the wow factor. They're dinosaurs, wow enough. Not according to our focus groups. The Indominus Rex makes us relevant again. The Indominus Rex. We needed something scary and easy to pronounce. You should hear a four-year-old try to say Archaeornithomimus. We should hear you try to say it. So what's this thing made of? The base genome is a T-Rex, the rest is classified. You made a new dinosaur, but you don't even know what it is. The lab delivers us finished assets and we show them to the public. Can we drop a steer, please? How long has the animal been in here? All its life. Never seen anything outside of these walls? We can't exactly walk it. And you feed it with that? Is there a problem? Animals raised in isolation aren't always the most functional. Your raptors are born in captivity. With siblings. They learn social skills. And I imprint on them when they're born. There's trust. The only positive relationship this animal has is with that brain. At least she knows that means food. So she needs a friend. We should schedule playdates, that sort of thing. Probably not a good idea. Where is it? Yeah, 
Was it in the basement? Or downstairs? Maybe it's in the rec room. It was just here. We were just here. It doesn't make any sense. Like, these doors haven't been open in weeks. Were those claw marks always there? You think it? Oh, God. She has an implant in her back. I can track it from the control room. until I was 13, I definitely consider Carl to be like more of a dad than my real yeah. dad. Yeah, hello? Larry, get me coordinates on the Indominus. Okay, yeah. Uh, let me do it. I'm doing it right now. feet high. You really think she could have climbed out? Depends. On what? What kind of dinosaur they cooked up in that lab. Wait, what the hell? It's in the cage. Look, that's impossible. I was just there. Claire, I'm telling you, she's in the cage. Wait, wait a second. Look, there are people in there. <laughs> Get them out of there now. Yeah, what's the problem? It's in the cage. It's in there with you. Go! I told you, I told you, you're going to want to keep going. I actually have to start paying royalty fees if I show too much of the movie, though. The Indominus. It's out. Offense. <laughs> Y'all are offended at me right now, right? I feel it. I feel the offense at me for stopping your movie. I feel it. Uh, you know what? <laughs> I, 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 love, I love this 
as they're talking about this dinosaur that they cooked up, as they're talking about what it does, what it can do, what it can't do, uh, as, as, as he's beginning to kind of have this exchange about it, he says some interesting things that I think are true of offense in our life. Because when we allow offense, when we get offended, and we allow that offense to kind of come into our life and, and grow, it has the ability to literally take us out. It has the ability to destroy us. Like the movie talks about Adominus, he is a killing machine. Offense becomes a killing machine in our lives. Because something, it's something that sabotages. Here's why. Here's a couple of things about offense that are similar. That offense grows in isolation. It becomes dangerous in isolation. That's what you're talking about Indominus. He should never have been, or she should never have been alone the whole time. The same thing when it comes to offense. When we allow offense to get in our lives and we allow isolation, it starts brewing up, starts building up. It starts becoming larger than expected. You know, they had to build the cage higher because... And Dominus was bigger than they originally thought it was going to be. And that's the same thing that happens with offense. Something starts small and it begins to grow in isolation. It begins to get out of control. It begins to get dangerous. And there's a story um, in Luke chapter 10 with uh, Martha and Mary. And it's kind of an iconic verse, but I'll kind of focus in on the passage from a little bit of a different perspective. It says this, verse 38, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Mary, Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Listen to this, verse 40. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And then she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Now this passage leaves out drastic amounts of inner dialogue in Martha where offense has been growing in isolation in that kitchen for who knows how long. Because there were no microwaves back then, so this could have been hours of her being like, if Mary does not come in this kitchen, you know what I'm saying, like, to help me with this meal, I, this, I'm telling you, you know what I mean? She is in there stewing. She is in there getting hostile in her own mind, right? She's got offended by what Mary has done, and now she's let this offense become indominus. You know what I'm saying? She's let this offense get so built up on the inside of her, so much kind of rage is sort of built up that she finally busts out of the kitchen, and now she's bossing the Messiah around. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's, that's how bad it got that she thinks she's going to come out here and start getting in Jesus' face to try to get her, him to make Mary do what she wants. But isolation has that effect. You know, when you get offended, you get frustrated, you get mad about something, and you just, it just builds. Anyone ever had that, right? It builds. Before you know it, that thing is a monster. That thing is starting to eat you alive. It's dangerous. Don't allow offense to stay in isolation. You got to expose it. You got to deal with it. You you got to go after those things that that will will take you out. Offense is is a killing machine. It really is. Uh, you know, offense. When you're offended, this is something interesting about it. it. Determines who can stay and who can go in your life. 
So one of the things that offense does, if you are easily offended, if you are always offended, if you're constantly getting offended, it actually will impact negatively the people you actually want in your life. When you're an easily offendable person, it keeps quality people at distance from you. And you eat the people alive that are around you in the cage. <laughs> but when you are a out-of-control rage monster because of offense, ain't nobody want to get in your world in the first place, right? And so we have to be careful. It's so easy for offense to get to that place where now everyone's got to walk on eggshells around me. And nobody wants to tell me the truth. And nobody wants to have a hard conversation because they know, like that dude in the story, you're going to get your head bit off. You know what I'm saying? Sorry if anyone has a weak stomach. I should have given a disclaimer about humans getting eaten um, before I played that clip. But remember King Saul, King Saul and David. King Saul, he's running the nation. And this, this young kind of young gun you know, up and coming, David comes on the scene, defeats the big giant that's messing with God's people, and they head back, and it's all good until the ladies of the town start singing a song where Saul is not the hero, right? Saul's slain his thousands, David his tens of thousands, and Saul gets hurt, okay? He gets his little feelings hurt, right? King David, or King Saul, is no longer pumped about the the current melody that's going on. And because of the offense, it ultimately drives David out of his life. And we, if we're not careful, offense ends up driving people away, driving people out of our world. The very people that God sent to help us end up becoming casualties, and we might wonder, man, how come I can't have great relationships, or how come people won't stay close, or, you know, there could be a variety of reasons, but one of them could be you're too easily offended, and that offense is building, and you're letting it get out of control. Another thing, offense kills your future. It stops it. It limits it, but here's one of the realities about being offended and why oftentimes we don't always notice it is because offense usually comes in seed form. Offense doesn't come as Indominus Rex, right? You know, uh, Katie and I were, were chatting a little bit about this message, and I was, I was just asking her, I was like, babe, what makes you offended, right? What is it that offends you? What makes you offended? And when you just ask it straight up like that, it's actually a weird question to answer. Because even she was kind of like, uh, I, I, I don't know. I mean, like, what if I asked you, what offends you? You may not really be able to answer that directly, but because it usually comes in seed form in form of like, ah, that made me angry. And that's where offense starts coming in in seed form. You got angry. Oh, man, I, I, I feel like unmet expectations, right? I expected them to be a certain way. They didn't, and this seed of offense starts coming in. So I usually don't think of like, hey, I got 10 things that offend me. As long as you stay away from those things, I will be unoffendable. No, it's not like that. It's usually little things, little seeds, little small things that come into our world and and get their, their root in us and we begin to allow offense to grow. Some type of injustice. Usually if the thought of being offended is when you feel like somebody 
Something caused some injustice towards you. Something that doesn't feel right. Something that you're mad about. Something that you're disappointed about. You know, sometimes offense comes in, man, I'm disappointed in that situation. I'm disappointed in that person. I'm disappointed in myself, right? And, and this seed of offense gets in there. And in Ephesians, he kind of talks about this uh, whole area. There, there's a classic verse we maybe heard, and I'm going to read it in the Amplified in a second. But in the NIV, it says, In your anger, don't sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Well, I'm going to read the Amplified because it kind of adds a little bit more adjectives and broadens the clarity of, of this concept. It says, be angry at sin, at immorality, at injustice, at ungodly behavior, yet do not sin, and do not let your anger cause you shame, nor allow it to last until the sun goes down. And do not give the devil an opportunity to lead you into sin by holding a grudge or nurturing anger or harboring resentment or cultivating bitterness, right? So th this, is, this is what we have to be weary of. These are the seed forms of offense is anger, resentment, bitterness, holding a grudge, right? When I live in those spaces, I'm allowing the seed of offense to get planted into the soil of my life. And initially, I may not realize I'm growing indominus rex in my life because it comes in seed format. So the key is that I have to learn how to identify it at the root cause. I've got to learn how to identify offense in the beginning stages so I don't find myself, and so we don't find ourselves getting eaten alive and destroying those around us because we've allowed offense to get out and run wild in our park. And that's what ends up happening in this movie. Offense gets out and literally starts to destroy one by one the entire park. And this is what ends up happening in our life. And I don't want to see you and me get taken out by a fence. You know, um, John Bevere, who's an unbelievable author and, and preacher and, and word to our season and time, one of the books he wrote years and years ago is called The Bait of Satan. And The Bait of Satan is all about how the devil, the devil uses a fence to pull people out of the church, to get you lure you out of the safety that God designed you and me to live in in the community of believers. And if we're not careful, we end up finding ourselves taking the bait of Satan, taking the, the lure to be offended and to stay in offense. You know what? Jesus said offense is going to come, but I don't have to stay that way, right? And, but if I allow offense to keep growing, if I allow it to keep developing, if I allow it to keep building in my heart and my life, I'm telling you what, it will end up taking me out. You know, I've got um, a few friends who, for the sake of their lives, will remain nameless on this recording. <laughs> but hopefully, hopefully, or the, the chances are high, you know some of these people too, where something back in the day got in, you know, got them offended and they never dealt with it. They never let it go. They never got healed from it. They never got it worked out. 
And now here they are, maybe five years later, 10 years later, 20 years later, and they're, they're off the rails maybe. Uh, there's a few that are just, they're a shell of who they were because they've allowed offense to eat them alive on the inside. And it's just like they're, 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 every day is such a painful existence because they've allowed uh, offense to take them out. And, and we can end up living that way. And I know for me, I've had to watch myself over the years uh, not allow the seeds of offense to grow into something that, that takes me out. There's been many times, uh, back in the Northwest, I was uh, a part of a, a great church up there, but you know how it is, just in any working relationship, there can be opportunity for offense, even in the church. <laughs> And so my, my uh, pastor, you know, overseer at the time, you know, there were some things I was like, oh, man, blah, 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 I'm doing everything. I felt injustice. I was doing all the work. He was just preaching. And so I had this injustice that I felt like was wronged against me. So I started building it up. I let that indominus offense just grow in isolation. You know what I mean? Just stirring in me, just stirring and finally, I, let, I, I talked enough with my wife, Katie. I was like, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, you know what? Chill out. You know, thank God she, was, she didn't stoke the fires of offense. She actually was like, you know what? You need to chill out. You need to calm down. You need to let it go. You need to move on. And that happened several times where I had allowed myself to build up this thing where I was like two seconds from quitting, right? Two seconds from stepping away from the God call on my life because of fence and stuff that honestly was not that big of a deal. And that's the thing about a fence. It rarely is as big of a deal as we think it is, right? That's the reality. I, I, I hate that, but that's the reality. Most of the time when someone is so, I'm over it. I'm just done. And then you really start talking to them, it gets awkward because you're like, okay, so you're done over that? Because that's really not a big deal. But by the time you're ready to quit, that marriage, that job, that church, that whatever it is, by the time you're over it, it has literally become the largest monster in your mind that you've just, you're just had it. And really, it's just, it's something so small. It's a shadow. It's a shadow of, of what you've made it out to be in your mind. And you know what, sometimes we get genuinely hurt and wronged by people, and we have to deal with the reality of that. But I don't have to live offended. I don't have to stay in that space. So how do we destroy this monster of offense? How, how do we, how do we uh, deal with it? Well, in, in the movie, which I'm going to get back to, in the movie, is we're going to come to the epic final battle scene of this film. And before this clip, I'm going to show you as Indominus is, you know, kind of destroying everybody and the raptors are trying to help, you know, protect, you know, the, the, the heroes of this movie. Uh, the little boy finally looks at them and says, hey, we need more teeth. <laughs> we need more teeth. We need, we need some more dinosaur to take out this Indominus. And so how, how, do, we, how do we actually overcome offense? How do we deal with it? We need some more teeth. And the only thing that I can, I can speak to that has more teeth than offense is forgiveness. So we're going to talk about that in a second. Let's play this final clip. <laughs> 
Hey, where are you? I need you to open Paddock 9. Paddock 9? You kidding? Damn it, Larry, be a man and do something for once in your life. Why'd you have to make it personal?
<laughs> oh boy. If anybody's offended, email Lance at. <laughs> oh, good film. Good film. <laughs> we need more teeth. We need more teeth. Forgiveness. Forgiveness is the thing. Let me talk a little about a few ways that we take out uh, offense in our life. Number one, assume the best. Assume the best. If we're going to overcome offense, if we're going to take out offense, uh, forgiving people and moving beyond offense begins by always fighting, and I think that's a good word for it, fighting to see the best in each other. This is true in friendships, it's true in marriage, it's true in any situation, whether it be workplace, whether it be church life, family, community, there's always room for people to get offended and for people to do stuff that makes, makes you mad, and I just have to make a decision, I'm going to keep assuming the best. I think my wife and I have been married going on 16 years now, and you know what, in 16 years, there's been a few opportunities Sometimes a few a day, right, to get offended. And what I have to do and what Katie has to do, we have to keep going, you know what? That frustrated me. That hurt me. I can't believe how she said this or how, you know, may I have come across. But I'm going to choose to go, you know what? That may have been frustrating. That may have been hurtful. But I'm going to assume better of my spouse. I'm going to assume better of my friends. I'm going to assume better of my pastors. I'm going to assume better of my boss. We have such an instinct to instantly go to the negative, to instantly go to worst case scenarios. Can I just encourage you, go to best case. Always give people the benefit of the doubt times a million. Just keep doing it. Uh, Philippians 4.8, I didn't give them the verse, but it, the Bible gives us a great list of things to focus on. Because how many know whatever you focus on, you find, right? If I want negative, guess what? I can find it. <laughs> I can find it in every single one in this room. We have coffee for a few hours. I can find some negative. And you know what? You'll be able to find negative in me. But you know what? I, I, I don't have to be, I don't get any awards for finding negative things in people. And it doesn't help anything. What I need to learn how to be is somebody who keeps looking for the good, right? The Bible says whatever is lovely. Whatever is pure, whatever is noble, whatever is good, whatever is worthy of praise, think on those things. Think on those things. You know that our emotions, that feeling of offense, that hurt feeling is always a response to what I've been thinking about. So if I feel, if I think that somebody has hurt me, then I start feeling offended. I start feeling angry. I start getting a spirit of offense that kind of comes on me. Versus if I change my thinking. What are you thinking about lately about your friends? What have you been thinking about lately about your husband or wife? What have you been thinking about about your coworkers, about your boss? What have you been allowing your mind to think on? Think on the good. Look for the good. Amen. So it's sometimes easier said than done, but I guarantee you can find something good. Look for good. Look for good. 
come on, if we're, if we're going to break free from unforgiveness, if we're going to break free from offense, we have to look for the good, okay? The second one is we have to learn how to forgive quickly, and if not quickly, at least continually. <laughs> you know what? Sometimes forgiveness is, is hard to come by instantly because we have to process it. But I want to encourage you to keep fighting again to forgive, but to keep forgiving. Keep forgiving. Luke 17, uh, verse 3, it says this, Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive. Don't hold, don't hold stuff over people. Verse 4 says this, And if he sins against you seven times, you're thinking like over a lifetime? Over a month, over a week? No, no, seven times in a day, and seven times in a day he returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. And then I love the follow-up verse. The apostle said, Lord, increase our faith. <laughs> They're like, good God, seven times in one day? We're going to need some more faith for that. But I think that's a great thought because I actually really think that forgiveness is an act of faith. Forgiveness is oftentimes an act of faith. It's a gift of faith. It's a choice of faith to forgive sometimes because I'm forgiving people that have offended me not because they deserve it, but because I need to release the hold that offense has on me. Offense is like a dominus rex that gets its teeth around your neck holds you down. And if, if I am going to break free from that, I'm going to have to use some more teeth. I'm going to have to get old T-Rex out. I'm going to have to get forgiveness out and begin to take that step of faith to bring grace towards people, to release people from what they've done, past, present, and in the future. I have to learn how to forgive. And I really think forgiveness is an act of faith, but it's fueled by grace. It's fueled by grace. This may feel like a little bit almost like oversimplified or, or I mean over too easy to just chuck out there as a good Christian cliche, but it really is important because it's the basis for why we keep forgiving even when people don't deserve it. Because you remember somebody else who did that to you and me? Jesus. Jesus forgave all. He wiped the slate completely clean in our life. He's not holding your sin or my sin against me anymore because of what he did on the cross. Jesus even on the cross said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. How intense is that? How unbelievable is that? But Jesus gives us complete grace, forgives our total debt, but he calls you and me to live in that same manner. He calls you and me to forgive others even when they don't deserve it. He calls you and me to go the extra mile in extending grace because I think showing forgiveness is one of the most beautiful demonstrations of the gospel that you and me can display here on earth. When people don't deserve it, and I extend grace and forgiveness anyways, I showcase the goodness of Jesus in people's life. When that person at, at work wronged me, and they know it, and I know it, but I show mercy anyways, I display Jesus. There's a parable that Jesus tells about, 
you know, a, a servant who owed a, his master a lot of money, an amount of money that he could never pay back in a lifetime. And, he, and he's being threatened to kind of go to debtor's prison and all kinds of bad stuff. And he begs for mercy from the king. And the king grants him complete forgiveness. Because you know what? I'm wiping the total debt. You're free. Oh, what a, what a day that would have been. You know what I mean? Just, I mean, the weight of all that debt completely gone. And he goes out in freedom. Doesn't have to serve time in jail. Nothing. But then he finds a guy who maybe owes him the equivalent of a few hundred dollars. Compared to this unpayable debt, he's got a small debt. And he says, pay up. And the guy can't. So he goes, you know what? You're going to prison to pay me back. Well, that word got back to the boss, and it didn't go well. So they heard that this had happened. And in verse 32 of Matthew chapter 18, it says, Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. He said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? Shouldn't you have had mercy just as I had on you? The, the mercy of God, the grace of Jesus towards you and me is the foundation for our forgiveness. Yeah, I, I understand that they've hurt you. I understand that they've offended you. I understand that it's painful and it hurts and it was wrong and it was unjust. But are you going to continue to live underneath the clause of unforgiveness and offense? Or are you going to lean towards the grace of Jesus and say, God, help me. Help, help me forgive, God. Help me by grace. By, by grace, God, help me extend forgiveness towards people in my world. And as you do, you'll find freedom like you never had before. Many of us get locked up in life because of uh, offenses and hurts that we won't let go of, and it's absolutely holding us back. And today, I wonder, does anybody that you need to forgive? Does anybody need to forgive? Anybody that you need to let go of some stuff? And maybe you just come in and there's, you didn't, maybe you didn't recognize that you've been allowing offense because you haven't noticed what it was in seed form. You just felt angry or you felt disappointed or you felt frustrated and you've been allowing that to grow realize, you know what, that's the seed of offense that's going to take me out, and I need to deal with it now. I need to release it to God. I need to forgive. I need to allow grace to begin to flow. I need to begin to move into a new season of mercy in my life and my situation. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 San Diego, go to C3SanDiego.com. 